Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read Parashat Kitetze, which is one of those jam-packed parshiot that has a lot of wonderful, very, very interesting things going on in it. And a lot of those laws or statements are about how to conduct yourself during war. And what I wanted to do today is to focus on a few verses from chapter 23 that talk about how the camp should conduct itself when it is going to war. And so this section that begins in chapter 23, verse 10, begins with, I I color-coded it in my Google Doc with three different sections. And we'll talk about that later. So the opening statement is, Ki mikol davar ra. When you go out as a troop against your enemies, be on guard against anything untoward. This is the JPS is a bit fanciful definition translation. Um, really what it's saying is guard yourself from every bad thing. And then we have two verses that tell us that if anyone in the camp, this assumes it's speaking to men, as this is men who would go out to war. So if anyone is rendered tame, is rendered unclean by a nocturnal seminal emission, then he must leave the camp and he may not re-enter the camp for that day. And then towards evening, he should bathe in water. And then at sundown, he can re-enter the camp. Now, this is parallel to the laws that we see about Tuma and Tahara in general, in general, purity and impurity. And this, so this shouldn't surprise us. Essentially, what this is saying is that these laws of purity and purity apply not only in the presence of the Mishkan or Beit HaMikdash, of a holy place where you worship God, but also in the presence of the camp that is traveling to war. And then the next three verses talk about um, relieving oneself of excrement. And what we're told is that there has to be an area outside the camp where the troops shall go to the bathroom. and. Not only that, when you have to go, you should have a spike and you should dig you dig a hole, you do your business, and then cover it up. And then the final pasuk tells us, because Hashem elokecha mitalech bekerev machanecha lahatilcha velatet oivecha lefanecha. So since the Lord your God moves about in your camp, literally walks about your camp, to protect you, and to deliver your enemies to you. For that reason, right? So for that reason, your camp has to be holy. So let God not find anything translated as unseemly, but an irva, anything that is uh, explicit and problematic, because then God will turn away from you. So we've got these two specific laws about how to keep the camp dignified. Leave it if you have a nocturnal emission, and then also have a place outside the camp where the men can use the bathroom, and they have to dig a hole and then keep and then cover it afterwards. And as we said, the first is not so surprising because it, it, it's just taking basic rules of tumantara, of purity and impurity, and applying that, applying that to the camp as well. Now, the second is actually more surprising. 
about the excrement because excrement doesn't have an issue of tuma and tahara, impurity and impurity. And there's a great piece on the Torah.com by Professor Alan Cooper all about this. And he goes into great detail studying the history <laughs> of the role of um, excrement um, and excrement waste management, let's say, in wartime. And he addresses how during World War I, it was too dangerous to leave the trenches, to use the bathroom and the really quite disgusting ways that they dealt with this and the, the really, I mean, it, it, the, the horrible impact that this had on them um, and other wars as well. And, and he addresses how during war, it really became a free-for-all, essentially, um, with all kinds of waste and all of the most disgusting parts and substances that the human body can create. And you can accept that very quickly. You can get used to it, even if it's really disgusting. And so here, these rules have the effects not of tumantara, not of purity and purity, but of really of just basic dignity. You have to keep your camp dignified. You can't be living in your own filth. Just because you're at war does not mean your life is a free-for-all and it, you can everything can just be disgusting. Your camp still has to be a respectable place. So those are two very interesting specific rules that we have about the camp. And then the question is, going back to that first pasuk, where that you have to protect, be on guard, be careful of all bad things. Now the question is, well, what does this include? What does davara mean? I mean, that could mean bad thing, that could mean anything. Is it simply an introduction to the next two cases of nocturnal emissions and excrement, or does it include something separate? And if you look at the Ibn Ezra, I'm pretty sure he's suggesting that it really is just an introduction to the other two verses. Just basically saying, stay away from bad things like nocturnal emissions and excrement and all that stuff. Now, other rabbis go in different directions. And what I wanted to do today is look at the Ramban, who offers basically three different responses and three different interpretations. Now, first, he quotes Rashi, who's really just quoting earlier rabbinic texts. And he says, because what happened? Why do you have to stay away from all bad things? Because the Satan indicts people in the hour of danger. Because when there's a time of danger, the Satan, he's more active and he's looking for entries to do bad things to people and to cause trouble. And so I think what this is saying is, don't tempt fate, right? During a time of war, during a time of vulnerability, Satan's already looking for a way to get you in trouble. If you then get involved in bad things, you're tempting fate, you're tempting the Satan, and you're more likely to have him go after you. So stay extra good during a time of war because you're more likely to get hurt if you stray from the good path. So that's Rashi's explanation. And so the Ramban quotes Rashi, but then he says, no, here's the correct interpretation. He says, and this is his second explanation, that he says the Torah is warning about a time when sin is rampant, when there's a lot of bad things happening. And he says, we know that even if otherwise good, you know, good people who are surrounded by other nations who are sinning and lots of bad things going on, War has a way of taking otherwise good people and making them much more susceptible 
to committing those same atrocities. Right. I like the 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 I, the notion, the framing of it being you, you lose your shame about that. Right. Especially as we discussed with the extrament issue, if you're living amongst your own filth and you're living in vulnerable situation, you don't know that there's danger. Um, danger could come at any minute. It, 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 you get transformed more into an every man for himself type of attitude. And that makes you much more susceptible to get involved in those very abominable things around you, to steal, to plunder, to do all sorts of gross, horrible things. And so the, what the Ramban argues is the Torah says, therefore, stay away from any davara, because it's just a general saying, stay away from anything that's forbidden. Stay away from sin. You need this extra admonition because you're more vulnerable to committing sin at this point. You're more vulnerable to getting involved in whatever shady stuff the rest of society is doing at this time. So you need an extra warning to stay away. Then the third explanation that the Ramban brings is he's quoting the Sifre, um, an earlier Midrash, that is examining what exactly is included in both the Davara in this opening pasuk, and also what is it? What did it mean in the concluding pasuk when it said that the camp has to be holy and you can't have any ervat davar, any illicit thing there, etc. And we won't go through all of it in detail, but essentially what the Sifre does is argue that okay, this is warning against humantahara, and not only that, it's also arguing against the three major sins of of a vodazara of idolatry and bloodshed and blasphemy and, and everything. I mean, also, you know, erva, like, a, I mean, I guess adultery here isn't really as big of a concern because it didn't apply to men the same way, but basically stay away from all of those bad things. And then also the Midrash says, even included in here in the word davar specifically, meaning davar means thing, but also word, is evil talk. So you have to stay away from everything ranging from murder to evil talk, to just gossip and those types of things. Because, and using the, the Midrash uses a, a verse from the book of Jeremiah as proof, basically whenever that any negative thing can defile God, right? Any type of sin can defile God. And so you have to stay away from every kind of sin, every bad thing, because that is what defiles God and will remove God from the camp. But then he says something also I found that I found uh, uh, his sort of his conclusion I found very powerful. He says one extra line, moreover, we are to avoid these sins in order that the enemy should not overpower us because of our committing the very deeds that cause them to be, to be driven from before us, right? So let's review that for a second. What he says here is, you. one of the reasons you have to be careful to stay away from all these kinds of sins is because the enemy that you are conquering right now, that you're going to war against, they are being victims of this war, right? They're going to lose because they've done those very things that you being war, that you are being warned against right you they've sinned that's why god is expelling them you have to make sure you don't commit those sins because if you do your enemy 
is going to overpower you, right? The thing that makes you powerful is that you aren't doing those things. And this is interesting because it's an idea we saw a couple of Parshas ago where Moshe says, you know, it's not just don't think, oh, you are inheriting the land because you're so great. Nope, you're not inheriting the land of Israel because you're so great. You're inheriting the land of Israel because the people who live there right now are really bad. And God has to kick them out. God has to expel them because they can they no longer deserve this land. But don't let it go to your head to think, oh, I'm so wonderful. We're so great. We just deserve this. And I think here what he's saying is you have to remember that you have to be better than the enemy. And if you're not, then that enemy is going to overpower you. They're going to win again because the only thing that's keeping you in power and control in the place of victory over them is that you are better than them. Now, I think that this is uh, these are, I think all of these explanations, I think are fascinating and, and, you know, really, I think teach us a lot about what it means for a nation to conduct themselves during war and that you have to keep a sense of dignity and avoidance of sin and a maintaining of structure and a removal of filth from your camp, because you have to be holy before God. You have to you know, you have to be dignified. Um, it has to keep, you know, everyone has to stay together. You have to feel good about yourself and your mission and your people. And if you feel like it's a free for all, you're not going to stick with it. And this was, you know, really particularly, I think, significant in light of the current events of this week. Um, the war in Afghanistan has been a 20 year, incredibly complicated situation that I don't pretend to fully understand or know anything more about, certainly more than, than many of the people who worked very closely with it. But one thing I, I was listening um, to an episode of On Point this week, which is one of the NPR podcasts, and they were talking about what happened to some of the Afghan troops when they were in the Afghan army being trained by the Americans. And they talked about how some of these American trained commanders did, some of them were good and treated their troops well, and some of them were awful and did the most horrific things to their troops, ranging from keeping their wages and not paying them to even there were cases of the commanders raping their own troops. I mean, every just horrible, horrible, horrible things. And not just horrible things that were sins of the commanders, but I think that we really now see what happens when sin and evil are rampant or at least present in an army. And one of the things they discussed is that it doesn't, they don't become, a troop cannot possibly be committed to their army, cannot possibly be committed to their cause when they are victim of violence being carried out against them within their own camp. That not only, again, is that a horrible abuse, but also it's not a way to keep a camp together. It is not a way to keep troops believing in their cause and believing in their mission, which is exactly what we saw happen this week, that a lot of the Afghan troops just said, forget it, this isn't worth my life, and they didn't go off and fight. And it's not because 
as these reporters argued who knew this situation intimately, that they just threw up their hands and said, no, forget it. That they, you know, were just weren't, were lazy or scared or whatever. It's that, no, they had no commitment to their actual cause. Because for many of them, there was not Kedusha. There was not holiness in their camp. There was violence. There were many Dvarim Raim, right? There were many horrible things that were happening. And that is not a way that you build an army. That is not a way that you keep God in your army. And it's not a way that you keep cohesion in your army. And certainly we see when you are no better than the evil that is around you, that evil tragically will overpower you. And then we saw this really play out. And I think that this, this situation of our current events really gives us an appreciation for what the Torah, what these verses are trying to, to, what picture they're trying to paint for us, which is that no matter what, your army and your camp must always carry itself with dignity, with purpose, and with holiness, regardless of what is happening around them. Shabbat Shalom.